Welcome to the Evan Weiss Show, broadcasting from the West Coast, raw, in-depth, and relentlessly hacking the mainframe. Here's Evan Weiss. Now, I don't know if you guys are familiar with something called van life. It's essentially when people drive around the country in a, really an apartment studio on wheels. Um, and this guest that I have on today, her name is Sydney. She's very popular on Instagram. She has over 155,000 followers. She's a solo female van lifer. She's also a mom to Ella the Van Dog, which you can also follow on Instagram. And if you want to go to her website, go to divineontheroad.com forward slash Instagram. To support the show, go to evanweiss.com forward slash NordVPN. Protect your browsing from criminals and surveillance with NordVPN. All the data you send and receive online travels through an encrypted tunnel. This way, nobody can get their hands on your private information. Secure all your devices with Windows, Mac OS, Linux, Android, and iOS. Plus, you can protect up to six devices with a single NordVPN account. So go to evanweiss.com forward slash NordVPN to get an unheard of 70% discount. Sydney, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you for asking. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Uh, so w- what part of the uh, country are you in right now? I am currently in um, Oregon, in between like the coast and bend. There is this really big national forest that I've been camping in for uh, probably like three weeks now. Wow. How's that been? Um, It's amazing. I love this area. I haven't been to Oregon since. I only, I kind of travel south for the winter and north for the summer. So I haven't been up north since last summer. Um, So it's been a while since I got to see family in Portland or like a lot of green. Um, So yeah, being in this area is very nice. There's like waterfalls everywhere. There's a lot to do. Lots of hiking. You probably need a lot of waterfalls, especially since it's probably hot around there. Uh, yeah, it's very hot. I'm sweating right now. <laughs> Only because um, usually I can like work in the shade or do something like that during the day and kind of avoid it or go in a waterfall. Um, but whenever I'm trying to get like decent sound and stuff, then I have to close up the the hot box that wow. is my was that a my butterfly metal rig. Yes, that's what I, I locked um, a butterfly in my van, I think. They're everywhere here. I mean, there's more mosquitoes than there are butterflies, unfortunately. But um, yeah, the butterflies at least help enjoy the bugginess a little better. So uh, what inspired you to live this lifestyle and and kind of explain what you do for those who don't know what van life is. They've never heard of it before. Yeah. So essentially um, I grew up in Indiana. I moved to Chicago for school. And then after uh, the last two years, like my junior, senior year, I was working a ton of hours in the restaurant industry uh, and going to school full time. And I wasn't super happy with my life. Like I was just busy all the time. I felt, um, which I know everyone in that stage of life probably feels a similar thing, but I was just like, I'm too young to be working crazy hours, to be going to school full time, like not having any time uh, for friends or for fun. And it just was, I was too stressed out to be 21 years old. Um, And I loved traveling already. I had taken a couple international trips um, when I was like 18 and then again when I was 20. And so then I came across van life, uh, which I'll explain what that is in just a second, but I came across it, um, 
on social media and I was like, oh my God, this is like the answer to everything. I won't have to fly across the world. I can buy a van, which will be an empty cargo box basically. Um, and the, the most common are sprinters, ProMasters and Ford Transits. I have a Ford Transit, um, but I could build okay. I could build out this van uh, to be like a tiny home, and that's essentially what van life is. So you build out or buy one that's already done a van um, with a kitchen, a bedroom, all of the small, uh, mo- I guess most necessary parts of life. Like you know, I have a sink for you know kitchen for food, a bedroom, um, but I don't have a shower. I typically shower. How at do you shower? Like, yeah, I will. I have a Planet Fitness membership, um, which is okay. like, yeah, it's like 20 bucks a month. It's very easy. I can go to the gym, work out, and then shower afterwards. But that's kind of the biggest problem right now in the van life world is the fact that all of the gyms are closed. I was going to ask so, you about that. What about coronavirus? Has it ma- made it harder to do the van life? I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't say it's made it harder. It's actually made it. Like, I feel like I pulled one over on everyone. Like, I'm just like, haha, you guys kind of have, you're stuck in the city. Um, and I have the luxury of taking my van out in the middle of nowhere and only going into town, you know, every two weeks or so to stock up on groceries and water. Um, so I feel like I'm actually pretty lucky to be living in the van during this time. But the biggest problem is just the showers. I mean, we have nowhere to shower. So I, we've been using like. How about the waterfall? I, yeah, when I say we, I also I just mean me and my friends. A lot of my friends also okay. live in vans. Um, but yeah, I have like bathed in waterfalls, which is I feel like if you've never done it, you probably think that's gross, but it's actually very refreshing and nice. Um, but mostly, I have like a solar shower that I can hang, and it's basically just like a nice bag of water with like a, a hose and a spout, and then you can just kind of put five gallons in that and shower that way i mean it's almost uh it's almost like the perfect uh apocalypse car it is it really is i feel like for the people who are you know what are they called um the people who like prepare the preppers you're um, like you're like a prepper yeah accident i feel like yes i feel like the preppers of the world should definitely get a van like they should have like the basement full of stuff and then also a van just stocked with whatever they'll need and what's your annual cost uh, for living in a van compared to rent if you ever paid rent? Yeah, so my rent in Chicago, just rent alone is the equivalent of what I pay on the road, um, which is about $2,000 a month. Um, I mean, that definitely fluctuates. Depends if I'm in San Diego, I'm naturally going to be going to cafes and drinking coffee and having breakfast. You know what I mean? Like I go out more because there's more to do. Um, so in a month where I'll spend in Chicago, I'll probably spend closer to $3,500. Um, but if I'm just like out here camping, I stock up on groceries, dog food, get all of my necessities. Um, I mean, you can easily spend like 2000 and that's not including my student loans because my student loans are Pretty also a high. great time. And yeah, how, lo- how long have you lived in the van and how long do you plan on living in the van? I've lived in this van for about two years and I lived in a okay. different van actually for about nine months before this one. So I've been on the road for close to prob- probably between two and a half, three years. Um, and I really don't see any end in sight yet. Um, once you, I, I think... I am just very much the type of person to live this lifestyle. It, you know, when I talk about it, I think 
there are people who glamorize it, and I can see the way that people would uh, look at my photos and think that, but I, the lens that I see this lifestyle with, I, like, I see it that way. Like, I love doing what I do. I'm passionate about it. It makes me happier than anything has ever made me in my life, um, and so I do see it for those crazy, amazing, beautiful moments, and the inconveniences and small things, um that are, that kind of get in the way, right? Like, there's obviously inconveniences. You live in a vehicle. There's all kind of problems that could occur, but those things are so far outweighed by, like, the magic that I feel like this lifestyle is. Yeah, because I've seen lots of videos online where you're right. They've glamorized the van life, and then six uh, months down the road, they're like, Van life isn't really what it's what people uh, make it out to be, and then they they start writing a huge list of all the reasons why it sucks, and they burn right. out. Essentially, they burn out from the van life. That hasn't happened to you, right? No, not at all. But I I completely get what you mean. There's so many people that do that, um, and I think those are the people though. And unfortunately, it's like that with any community. But they see my photos or somebody else's photos, and they're like, "That looks nice. I want to do it." When they like. I don't mind not showering for a few days. Like, I don't mind. What, what is that? Oh, I mean, you don't need a shower uh, for three days. You can't go three days without a shower. What's the longest uh, you haven't showered for? I mean, I would say I've never gone longer than a week. Okay. I have a solar shower. So, I mean, and I don't even remember going a week. That's just like a random guess. But I would say I like... I mean, when there's Planet Fitness showers, I go almost every day. Like, I bounce around. Like, you know, I go for a hike, I go find something to do, and then I go to Planet Fitness and shower. Um, but you just get used to it, and your body also gets used to it. Like, you know, uh, we are trained, especially as white people, to wash our hair every single day when, like, that's just not necessary. It actually is bad for your hair, bad for your scalp, and all of that. So once you're on the road for a while and you shower, or you not shower, but if you wash your hair once a week, you're, like there's less oil your hair is less dirty like you know what i mean like your body also gets accustomed to right and what what does your family think about it that's a really important question my family loves it um they I always actually, loved it or they loved it after the fact or what they think when they, you first came up with the idea yeah okay well so i always say this one part of things because i feel like it's so important to anyone who is going to present their family with an alternative lifestyle, whether it's van life or something else, or even if you want to do something outlandish, if you want to go be a rock star or whatever, um, regardless of what you want to be doing, there's a, I hear a sound. Is, are you good on your end? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um, regardless of what you want to be doing, when you want to go to your parents or guardians or people who, you know, you to some degree want their permission or approval, um, you have to go to them with all of the answers or as many as you can, even if things don't go that way. Like, even if I don't shower exactly how I said I was going to shower, at least when they ask that question, you have something to answer it with. So I think when you you know, when I went to my parents, I didn't go to them and say like, not sure how I'm going to make money, not sure how I'm going to build it out. Don't really know how to do it. Like when they asked me a question, I'd already done hours worth of research. I knew every single thing. I, I you know, this is how I'm going to do it. This is how I'm going to make money. I already found these people to help me with the build. These are the materials I'll be using. Well, I, I think, if I think you're the exception of the rule. I think there's a lot of people who just like to wing it from the beginning. 
Right, but the, the thing is, you're going to be winging it no matter what. Even though I sounded confident, that's the point, is that I can sound confident to my parents to ease their concern, right. but you're going to be winging it regardless. But when you're trying to get your parents' approval, making yourself sound like a child, they're going to view this as their child going into danger. My my right. young, my baby daughter exactly. is now going and, and I to might, I might sound car. sexist by saying this, but especially as a, as a female, right? No, it's, yeah, it's actually not sexist at all. It's unfortunate, but it's true. Um, I, there's definitely a lot more danger for women who are single and on the road. I mean, there's, there's definitely no doubt about that, but. What about safety? What what do you do for safety as a, as a solo female traveling around the country? There's a lot of crazy people. There's a lot of normal people, but there's always crazy people, especially at places like rest stops or places that people usually don't venture. What are, what's the advice for a solo female who's considering this kind of lifestyle what were the kind of tips that you would give her right off the bat? Um, my first tip would be self-defense classes. They can be taken at any given time. You should have them whether you ever live in a van or not. Um, I, I learned random techniques and tips that I was like, oh, I would have never guessed this um, just from taking a couple self-defense classes. And which I think, like I said, as a woman, you should just do that regardless. It's smart. Um, and I have various weapons of choice. Uh, uh -oh. a, a, do you have an AR-15 in your van? What'd you say? Do you have an AR-15 in your van? I do. I have three. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Just loaded in here. No, I mean, I, first of all, I'm from Indiana, so I am comfortable around certain weapons that I shall not name. Um, but I, yeah, I have enough in my van to make me feel safe and sleep better at night. I also incorporated certain things into my build that I knew would help me sleep better at night and stay safe. Like I have a pocket door, which is behind me. Um, that door essentially closes the front of the van to the cab at night and I can lock it. So if someone is to break into the front, I at least have 60 to 90 seconds before they pound through that pocket door to call 911, yell for help, my dogs start barking, kind of create chaos or escape versus a curtain, which is what most people have, that they can you know three seconds into breaking into the front they've have access to you your dogs right it's good to have yeah. dogs so tell us about ella she she has her own instagram page right she she's, does she's very she popular is. yeah she is like the light of my life so i uh i when my first van i was actually with a human partner and when that ended and i wanted to be is on the that road, a is that does that mean a boyfriend yeah yes <laughs> i say human partner because now i have dog partners um okay but yeah, I was, I was with a human. Um, and then I transitioned into like, when that ended, I was like, no, I'm not done with van life. That's why I bought a second van, started to build this out. And I wanted a companion of some kind. I didn't want, I, I wanted all of the selfish freedoms of, I can choose where I go, when I go, what I do, all of these things. Um, but I still wanted companionship. And so I knew I wanted a dog. Um, and so about a week or two before, I moved into the van. Uh, I got Ella and she, she was only like 10 weeks old or she, I don't know. She was a few months and, um, yeah, she has been on the road with me ever since. And from the day I moved into the van, she has been in here with me. She's like a van dog through and through. She loves living in the van because that's, that's awesome. a huge misconception is that like my poor dogs. And now I have Pearl as well, who I recently adopted. Um, but the, this misconception of like my poor dogs, like on, oh, you know, comments on YouTube. Suffering. Yeah. They, they're just trapped in this tiny little van oh and they, God. they don't get to the Karens move. of the world, as they say. Right. And so it's so funny because my dogs, I mean, we literally only sleep in this van. Other than that, they have access to the world. They are running, hiking, swimming, doing all of these crazy yeah. things. Did the van life create some sort of tension between you guys? 
No. Um, I think that we were doomed, I mean, from the beginning, essentially, because it was not meant to be, but once we moved into the van, I think we both had this idea that it's probably not going to work out, and it was just this dynamic of, like, I really wanted to be in the van, live in the van, live it as a lifestyle, not as a temporary You were more committed to it than he was. Yeah, he just wanted to go on this trip to, um you know, please his girlfriend and maybe she'll get over this phase soon enough and I'll live in a van while she wants to live in a van and then eventually we can have a family and do these things. Um, isn't, that I, horrible I never, when, isn't it horrible when guys do that? Like they do something for someone, but it's for uh, for ulterior motives in a way, not being honest with the person? Right, well, yeah, because it's not beneficial to anyone. All it did was prolong a relationship that was going to end regardless. Um, and so, yeah, after... I think we were in that van together for about eight months and I, I just knew that it was not working out. Neither of us were happy. And so when we went to visit, his family was in Chicago, mine was in Indiana. Um, and when we went to go visit our families in the Midwest, we mutually just decided to end things. <laughs> and he kept, he kept that van, uh, which is fine. And oh, then, uh, yeah, I, so you were left without I, a van after that. I was left entirely without a van and really no money. I had to figure out how to uh, save enough money to buy another van and to build. Yeah, and this and the sprinters are expensive. Uh, how did you do that? Yeah, um, well, so I'm in a transit now. The sprinter was the first van. Um, so I did see uh, photos of the sprinter. That's why I mentioned it. Yeah, I mean, I've had both, um, but I, I financed the Ford Transit, and I still had some money in my savings, um, but I, for about four months maybe, worked as a full-time nanny for like two or three families, they would literally bring, luckily my grandmother had been a nanny like for decades. And so she just had all these connections with families. It's like a weird, I got lucky in a very strange way. Um, but so I started nannying for one family and then like another family's kids needed it. And so every morning I would go to this one house and like multiple families would bring their kids there. And like the nannying secret for a lot of young women, because that's, you know, the primary group of people who are nannies um hey that's sexist it is sexist but it's like true you know most people are comfortable leaving their kids with like a woman than a man i don't know why but um that's true so but anyways i would sit in this house um or sorry i said the secret the um what i did was like go into the nicest areas where these parents were pretty wealthy and they paid me really good money and so while i'd be watching these kids I, we, I would like set up a really fun activity and then i would start doing online work and making money online i was building websites for people which i taught myself how to do as they would ask me to do a task and i'd be like yeah i can totally do that and so i'd get paid for it but i'd have to learn how to do it um and so I was like making money that way while making money nannying and then like doing random side things. Like I stuffed envelopes for my dad's company a few times while I was doing these other jobs, like while I'm nannying and doing other stuff. <laughs> um, and so it was literally just a matter of like hustling and trying to make every single dollar I possibly could. And then once I had enough money to finance the van, I got the van, uh, you know, and then as the build went on, I would just make enough money, like buy the next set of materials, make more money, buy the next set of materials and kind of just right. do that until it was done, which only took a few months. And, and, uh, how do you make money on the road? Like, uh, how do you do that? 
Um, so it's kind of transitioned over time now that I've been on the road for a while, but when I first started, it was primarily, um, when I say first started, I mean in this van with my ex, we, uh, basically lived off of our savings for the eight months trying to figure out what we would do. Um, when I moved into this van, because I had learned how to build websites and do remote work while I was nannying, um, I kind of just applied those skills. I created my own website where I was teaching people about van life. I felt like I had learned a lot on the road, um, even in the first van. And so as I would go through the build, as I would learn new things, and now I'm learning about solo female safety and overnight parking, I would write blog posts about that. And uh, I turned that website into uh, an income, which was less than, you know, uh, I would like live within my means, right? So I was making less at the time, I would spend less, I would move around less. Um, and then I started to grow my social media along with the website. And so I started monetizing more recently, actually, my Instagram. Now I have a podcast of my own where I do ads, so I make income from that. Um, and yeah, I, I think Instagram is very underestimated in terms of how much you can make if you do monetize it and you monetize it well and you value yourself uh, highly and the way that you probably should if you are proud of what you do. Um so essentially, so, yeah, you're, you're monetizing your lifestyle, which is very intriguing to a lot yeah. of people. It's a much more concise and eloquent way of saying everything I just said. Okay. <laughs> um, so what's the hardest part, do you think, about living in the van, especially for as many years as you have? The hardest part? Probably the... You never know when you're in a vehicle, which I under, I, I guess you probably have this fear if you had a house as well. I, I've never had a house, but, um, you never know if you could be driving down the interstate and get into a car crash. When you get into a car crash, you've now lost your vehicle and your house. Um, and insurance is not easy to cover the build and the van and everything else. So like most people, their builds are not insured at all. Um, now do you insure, so do you insure it as an RV or as a regular vehicle? You can insure it as an RV, but it's hard because it's technically a van, like if it's registered as a van, um, and there's like rules that you have to have certain uh, components within your build to classify it as an RV. So if you have more of a budget build and there's less, you know, fluff and stuff in here, then it's a lot harder to convince your insurance company that it's technically an RV. Okay. So... It's a little bit more difficult, but yeah, just this infinite possibility every time you hit the road, every time you pop a tire, like you never know what's going to put you out. And when you get put out, you have to find a hotel, then you have no way of transportation or getting around. I have dogs, so I have to figure out what to do with them. Like, you know what I mean? Like hotels that allow dogs, it just gets pretty stressful. Like, for example, if they need to do like maintenance or work on your motor, they have to... Right. Uh, you have to like stay, have you ever stayed over at a mechanic shop if you were like in the middle of nowhere and they had no hotels and it was an emergency? Yeah, I did that once um, in the Sprinter. We had to get work done on the Sprinter and a Mercedes dealership allowed us to sleep outside the dealership until they started working on it. But as soon as it's inside the shop, then it becomes, you know, diff uh, diff like legalities and they had their two, like there's responsible. And you know what I mean? Like you can't do it once it's in the shop. So, um, I I've known a lot of mechanics and dealerships where you can sleep outside, but once they start to work on it, you have no choice, but to find a hotel or some option. They, I mean, uh, they don't really care that much. It's more on you. <laughs> and, uh, what's the coolest road you've ever been on? Ooh, I don't remember the name of it. It is, 
the fastest route, so I think there's a couple different routes, but it's definitely the fastest one from Grand Tetons in Wyoming to Salt Lake City, which is a hand, just a handful of hours of a drive. Um, but it is, it, I stopped, I went to Yellowstone. This was actually the first real trip from Indiana that I went on, um, when I left in this van with Ella. So it was like our first bonding experience, my first solo female like adventure. I went from Indiana <laughs> to Yellowstone and that's in Wyoming. And then right below Yellowstone is the Grand Tetons. And so I went Yellowstone, Grand Tetons, and then I needed a shower. And so I went to Salt Lake City cause that was the closest one. And the drive from the whole Yellowstone, Grand Teton area is amazing. It's my favorite, but that drive to Salt Lake City was mind blowing. It looks like a, a different country. Really? And uh, yeah. out of all the cities you've been to, which cities do you want to go back to or you have been back to? My top two cities are probably San Diego and Bend, Oregon. Um, I, I love I San think Diego. I've driven through it maybe at night. I didn't get to see the whole the whole beauty. I've heard a lot of things about Bend, Oregon, honestly. I highly recommend it. There's, it, it is beautiful. There's tons to do. Everyone in Bend, it's a very outdoorsy yeah, it's just, I mean, and when I think of cities, I, I guess, when I think of beautiful, I think more of nature and stuff, which there's tons of nature in Bend, but when I think of cities, I like the overall atmosphere vibe of a city, and Bend is just, like, a wonderful place with wonderful people. All the restaurants and cafes have just, like, great energy. Everyone's so nice, um, and that's what I love about Bend, and San Diego is the exact same way. What about doing van life in big metropolitan cities like new york have you tried that no i do not like it some people do um but driving a big van is stressful enough um so driving it in like a busy city on tight streets when there's no rules on the road um that it just that whole scene stresses me out very badly so you're more like you're more like into nature you're more like a nature uh kind of like a i guess like a free-spirited kind of person yeah, I mean, for me, that was the reason I wanted to live in a van. I didn't, I didn't want to live in a van. I wanted to be able to explore the country and Canada and Mexico and, you know, do all these things. I wanted to see different places in a more um, minimalistic way than flying, staying in hotels and doing all of that. So it's, it was far less about the van. But then when it comes to the van, it is my home. So I want it to be comfortable. Um, and so that's why, I mean, that's why the van looks the way it does and all of that. But it's but beautiful. It's I mean, uh, it's obviously we could see it in the background there. It's, it's beautiful. It looks like a home. It looks like a, it looks like a, like a home, in, like in suburbia somewhere. So it looks really amazing. Thank you. I had a studio apartment in Chicago, so I always say this is about the same size and looks about the same. <laughs> yeah, I've had a I've had a studio in Oakland and it was pretty expensive and it was probably about that size. So Yeah, exactly. Um so another question I have for you is um do you have to travel with the seasons is is a weather like a big aspect of where you go yeah it is for me because i like warm weather i just there's more that i can do i don't have like crazy snowboarding and winter gear and so and I, i've never snowboarded like in indiana i i really didn't know so many people snowboarded and skied and all of that until i moved into the van um people in indiana just don't like winter is not a uh it's, it's not a preferred weather and where I'm from. Um, it's more of an annoyance. And so, yeah, I travel South when it's colder in the, in the North. And then when it gets really hot South, I will go more North. Mountains, beach, 
or desert? Mountains. I love the mountains. I love the beach too. Yeah, I don't know. I also like the desert, but the desert. Get, I just quarantined in the desert for ten weeks, so I'm pretty over the desert. Oh really? <laughs> well, I think I saw something yeah. like in Joshua Tree or something like that. Yeah. Well, I was outside of Joshua Tree, but yes, it just the desert gets. You know, you start like seeing things. You're just you see this like infinite landscape for so many days. You just start to lose your mind. <laughs> are you planning to uh, to build a bigger van, or you do you like the size that you have now? Uh, no, I'll never build another, or I'll never build a bigger van, but I probably will build out another van. Um, I've actually seen very, very few people go bigger. Most people go smaller. Okay. And uh, if you were to have to do your van all over again, what would you do? Right now I have, so um, it's, there's a couple different very common layouts and then there's variations of these two, but you can either have a fixed bed in the back and... Um, essentially that allows you to use all underneath your bed as a storage. And most people call that the garage area because you can access it by opening the back doors. Um, and so you open up the back doors and you just have all of underneath that bed, you know, organized storage. And that just allows you to have a ton of space. And then the alternative to that is what I have. And that is two benches on either side. And then you have a table in the middle, but it's, flat like a bed and so it's called the dinette and so that table in the middle I can bring it up and then I can have two benches to sit at during the day type on an like on a table have an office space and then lower that table at night and create a bed again um and I would I would rather have a fixed bed because with the benches all of that empty space in the middle of the benches is just wasted space exactly like it's just wasted and what's the difference between an rv and a, and a van build. Why would you choose a van build instead of an RV? Um, I mean, honestly, there's so many reasons. First of all, it's when you get into van life world and community and all of these things, like RVs and vans are viewed as two very different things. Um, but yeah, so RVs and vans are just viewed as two completely different like worlds, although it's silly because from the outside, it probably looks very similar. And in reality, they are. Um, but a van is smaller. You can get it as four wheel drive. So I can take this down. I mean, mine's not four wheel drive, but I can still take it down tons of dirt roads. Um, the road that I had to come down to just to get to this campsite, there's fallen trees all over the place and RV would never be able to fit down that road, but I can weave my van in between those trees. Um, and so an RV is bigger, it's bulkier. Um, they, they fall apart a lot easier. Now can someone, can someone um, buy a a van build like yours pre-made? Or do they have to build it themselves? You can buy a van, like, that's so. I, the next thing I was going to say was that a lot of RVs are very factory made. Like, you can buy an RV and okay. then Steve down the road will have the exact same RV that looks the exact same way. So, exactly. I mean, that's no offense, but that's my perception as well. Um, but vans come the same way. You can get a very factory-made van that tons of people have. And the retiree group of people who do van life, and there are a ton of those, um, they typically go for those factory-made. They're very, very expensive vans because they're just like... I mean, they're not even that well-made, but there's so many accessories on them. But they're all identical. Um, and I think that, that the, the simplicity of just buying the van, regardless of the price, I think is more appealing to an older crowd. Um, 
Whereas with a DIY, which is what this is considered, um, not that I even did this. I had help from two family friends. Um, but this is a lot more complex. You have to design it yourself. You have to buy all the materials. You have to do a ton of research. So it's definitely more difficult. But at the end, your product is like, this home is mine. It, it makes me feel like me. It's, it's for me and not, you know, thousands of other people that have the same one. Right. But it's also difficult because in a way you have to be a carpenter, an architect, an electrician, and yeah. uh, it's kind of, it's, it's a little different. So I guess that's why a lot of people opt in to, to buy the RVs. And these, I, I have seen uh, van builds like this for sale and they're really expensive. Really, really expensive. Yeah. People, I mean, they definitely jack up the price quite a bit, but it's, not to say it's always justified, but I think most people selling their van typically expect to get a little bit less than what they're asking for. Um, but it is it is justified in the way that, like, we are saving you. When I sell this van, I am saving you dozens of hours of just research alone. And then, right. like, so many hours of labor that I paid and put into the van itself. And so it's like, you get to get the keys handed to you and drive off in the van that took us months to build. Do you meet a lot of people? Or is your social life taking a hit uh, since you've been living in the van life? Um, I mean, yes and no, but I I am not a social person. I would not consider my, I'm quite introverted, actually. I love being by myself. Um, I've, like, worked being lonely and alone into my brand and, like, what I talk about all the time um, because I enjoy it. I love it. I love hanging out with myself. I love hanging out with my dogs. Um, so that is a, a priority of mine. And so I don't really need much of a social life, but I would also say when I am social, like I quarantined in the desert for that long with a group of my closest friends. And it is so much more intentional when you get to like my best friend in the entire world. I've never known a better human in my life than my friend Katie, who also lives in a van. I met her a couple years ago um, and I don't get to see her, but every six months. And so when we hang out every six months for a week, like that week is so much more special than most time that you would be spending with your friends if you didn't live in a way like this. Like I don't get to see her or my other friends. So your social time is valued. It's important. You get to do things like sit around a campfire and drink wine and hang out and, you know, like have more meaningful conversations. You're around people who get you so much better. Um, and you have social media so you can meet up with people if you're craving. There we go. If you are craving connection or you want to be social, you can get that easily with just your phone, you know on Instagram or somewhere else. I don't know if you go to festivals or Burning Man, it's probably really easy to go with your van build and enjoy those. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people that do, but I, I don't, I don't do festivals. I do. There are van gatherings is like what they're called. I'm actually hosting one next spring with Katie. Um, but oh, wow. yeah, but so there are these gatherings where there can be upwards of a thousand vans, you know, so most gatherings are in the probably one to 300 van range. Um, and then there are gatherings that, that are a thousand to 2000 vans show up and you just get to be surrounded by people who understand like your weirdest thing, you know? I think like this van life movement really, cause there's a lot of people interested in this, um, is not only about the van, like you said, it's about being able to do the things that you really want to do without having to spend most of your day working. Where do you think that comes from? Do you think it's, it's, a, it's kind of like the free spirited person, like a, someone who has a gypsy soul, someone who's like you said, you're introverted, 
Where do you think it comes from? And when you meet people at these gatherings, do you notice that you guys are very similar in many ways or are, are you guys very different? Um, I mean, I think that uh, uh, if someone, I always use my sister as an example, if she, she's a nine to five nurse, um, has a husband, a son, a house, like she went the very different lifestyle than I did. If she was looking in on a van gathering, she would be like, oh my God, all of these people are identical. Like they, they get each other in so many ways and right. we, we do, but like, because like living in a van now is boring, right? For me, like it's not an eccentric, crazy, unique thing I do. Like it's just like my right. my, my normal. And so at a van gathering, we all share that normal. Like I, you know, if I'm at a grocery store and I swing open my sliding door, so people will be like, "Oh my god, I've never seen anything like that." <laughs> but at a van gathering, you slide open your your door and people are like, "Good morning." Like it just is not. You know what I mean? So when you have the thing that I get the most attention for outside of that, when you get into a van gathering, it's no longer even Nobody a thought. Cares. Yeah. And so I like right. that. And so then you do find your differences and your similarities and stuff like that. Um, I feel like there was a f first half of that question that I forgot, but that's at van gatherings where, I mean, we're definitely different. Is there like a common thread between everyone who's interested in van life? Um, I mean, yeah, I think we all are just people trying to get away from what, society has told us we need to be doing to make money like a lot of people are like yeah but how would you make like there's no way you can make very much money and it's like no actually it's 2020 and you can make a crap ton of money if you want or if you have the skills or whatever you need um you know there are people right. there are people in vans who definitely don't make much and maybe that's why they live in a van or not but there are also people in vans making well into six figures um if not seven and so it's like you why have do you think people get stuck in that matrix in that box where they ha they think they have to have a nine to five job in order to live, in order to have stability. Because I like you, I'm a big advocate of working remotely. I've uh, you know I, I'm trained as a software engineer. I've worked for really big companies in Silicon Valley, and I'm used to working remotely for over a decade now, honestly. And I would never ever think twice of going into an office to work ever. I mean, it just seems bizarre to me. But why is it yeah. that most people believe that that really is the only path to live a life? I mean, what, why do you think? Um, comfort, I guess. A lot of people enjoy the comfort and the, like, I know I'm going to get this exact amount of money every two weeks. Uh, I don't have to ever hustle or panic. I can clock in, go clock out, go home to my kids. I'll know that I'll be putting a roof over their head. Um you know, and I, I think that's why my sister does it. I think that she's just comfortable doing that. She also just enjoys helping people and nurses have the, you know, that type of schedule. Um, and I think some jobs are just like that as well. But I also think that like remote work is fairly new. I know you just said that you've been doing it for 10 years, which is amazing, but I don't think many people have been doing it for that long. Um, you oh, know, right. I think mostly in the technology industry, it's been more common for a while. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, this, this idea of young people doing social media and making good money on Instagram is definitely like a bizarre concept that most, you know, even people in their thirties are like, wait, what? Like, you know, I can do that. You could do that. It's, it's so new that it just almost doesn't even make sense. I don't think to a lot of people. Yeah. It's bizarre. And I think, I think when you do remote work, it gives you a lot more freedom to, even if you're not doing the van life, to, for example, live in another city for six months or live in another uh, country for a year and then come back. I think it's a really great thing. Um, do you ever plan on having like 
a home base in the middle of the country that you could use kind of like as a pit stop while you travel everywhere? Uh, probably, maybe one day. I don't know. It's, you get so, it sounds so ridiculous, probably, but like, I am so used to living the way that I do that I just don't really feel like I need one. There's probably been three to five times in the last three years on the road that I've ever felt like I needed to get a hotel for a night. And if I do need to like recharge, I can just do that or get an Airbnb. But the idea of having a home base, the thing is, as soon as I would get a home base, I think for me it would be harder than to... Um, it would be harder for me if I get a house to leave in my van for a month. I would be like, mm, but I have a toilet and a shower and I can do my laundry here. So maybe I'll just go for a week or maybe I'll just cut the trip short. You know, I said I was going to be gone for two weeks. Maybe five days isn't enough. And so it's like once you have access to that level of comfort, I think it would be a little bit more difficult. And then I wouldn't be doing what I love the most simply because, you know, something's more convenient. Now... You mentioned earlier, like when you go to a grocery store and you open uh, your van, some people look at that and go like, what the hell's going on there? Is there a social right. stigma to doing the van life, uh, especially when you do uh, routine things like going to the grocery store? Um, definitely. I, I think that we all experience it. Everyone living in vans definitely experiences some sort of stigma. Some people like, uh, like they feel sorry for me. They're just like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. You live in there. Like that's like what happened in your life. Do they offer you money and do you take it? <laughs> I'm actually, I've been offered money one time, but he didn't know that I lived in a van. It's funny because one of my friends that's here, um, was with me. He was like, not physically, but we were uh, traveling together, but I was walking down the sidewalk by myself and this guy, but I, like, I looked like a disaster, but I was on my way to Starbucks. So I was a little classy. Um, but like, I was in like a messy bun. Um, and just, I, I looked not my best. And some guy pulled over on the side of the road. I didn't think I looked that bad. I was like in, you know, sweatpants and a t-shirt and just walking. And this guy pulled over and was like, Hey, uh, are, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. And he was like, okay, um, here, just take this and pulled out money. And I couldn't see what it was, but I was like, no, it's fine. He was like, no, you look like you could really use it. And then I looked closer and it was a hundred dollar bill. And so I was like, I could, thank you. You so did not much. give it back to him. Did you? <laughs> oh, absolutely not. He drove away. He didn't. Like... Yeah. He wasn't creepy or anything. I just like took it. And then I walked back and told my friend, I was like, oh my God, I just made a hundred dollars. And I was just trying to get a, a coffee from Starbucks. So it was a good day. Cool. No. Um, wait, oh, but no. the, the one, I'm sorry, the thing I, I do want to make a point to say is that although I might feel a little bit of that stigma, people who have more of a budget build and they don't, you know, they don't have uh, between ten dollars and $20,000 to build out a van, and even sometimes they're far more expensive, um, if you have more of a budget build and you're in a smaller van like a Ford Econoline or a Chevy Express, you definitely, they have to experience a lot more stigmatism towards what they're doing. Like, they you know, they open their door and if it doesn't look so, you know, like mine is fancy and I know that, um, but if it, yeah. it doesn't look that way and they're just, li they're living in their vans for the same reason I'm living in mine, but it just doesn't look as nice, then yes, I I'm sure they would experience far more judgment than what I have to. Most people think mine looks cool, whereas somebody might see theirs and- Like homeless, like they're living like homeless yeah, people or something. I mean, and, and 
talking about that, have you ever had the police come to your door and, and knock on that or give you any trouble? A couple times, maybe three times, yeah, probably. Um, well, and that's me parked in places that I shouldn't be parked in. It only happens right. in cities. And one time in San Diego, which they're really cracking down on van life there, and I was parked in a Planet Fitness parking lot. And uh, and that's the thing. Another thing is that I've never, every time that I've ever had my door knocked on in the middle of the night, it's always the police. They're always very nice. They let me go. I don't show them any license or form of identification. They just say, hey, you need to move you know, goodbye. Thanks. One time in San Diego, that's what I was going to say. Uh, I opened up my sliding door and the guy was like, Oh my God, that's the coolest van I've ever seen. Like we always have to move. (laughs) We always have to move you guys out of here and you do need to leave. But like, that's a very nice van. And that's another part of, I have a nice looking van because I could afford it. And, and, um, like that's white privilege. Like a lot of people don't have that opportunity to be parked in an illegal place, uh, technically. And then, you know, open up the door and the cop be like, wow, that's a nice looking van. Can you just please move? You know, like I've, every time I've been stopped with the, from the police or whatever, they're just nice and ask me to please move along. Right. Um, so do you, you really think, um, well, let me ask you, how much did you pay in total for your van? The van itself was, uh, 24,000. Just for the van by itself. Just by itself. The van by itself. But, and I financed that. Okay. So $24,000. And then uh, in material and labor, how much do you think that was? Just a rough ballpark. Yeah. I mean, the materials were probably 8000 And then I, I probably paid in total for the build $18,000, I would say. For the build by itself, plus the 24000 Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, those are definitely beautiful. I mean, you could definitely tell the workmanship. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's a it ton is, of money. <laughs> yeah, 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 for it, sure. It's beautiful. It, it's, 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 it's amazing. When you said earlier about uh, white privilege, what, what is that? Like, I, I don't know too much about it. I mean, I've, I've interviewed people about it, and everyone tells me different things, and they have their own ideas about it. And because it's such a relevant topic uh, in today's world, what do, you, what do you think about that? If you want to comment on it, you don't have to if you don't want to. I mean, um, in combination with van life. I just think I have black friends who live in vans and when they get stopped by a police officer, they are taken out of their vehicle, asked for identification, questioned, um, treated like, why are you here? We like, why are you in this parking lot? What are you doing? What are you up to? And when I'm stopped or if I'm parking in a legal place to sleep, they are like, you know, and I'm a single woman. I'm a single white woman with a nice van and two cute little puppy dogs. So when I open up my door, they're just like, Oh, I'm so sorry to bother you in the midst of your beauty sleep, but may, will you please move down a road? And so like I'm treated with much more kindness and respect. Um, whereas, you know, my, uh, a black couple that I know was, uh, doing battery work in their, like they were at a laundromat doing laundry and they, the guy was just fixing their batteries in the van while their clothes were in the washing machine. And the, the girl was in the back watching the office and the police were called because someone said that a, a black man was, um, like ruining the battery of a car or whatever. Like that he was doing something illegal and messing with a car that was his own car. And so the police came, handcuffed him, threw him up against the door, um, questioned him on why he was doing it. And then they finally realized that this was his vehicle and he was doing nothing wrong and they unhandcuffed him. But I've just never, 
I have never had an interaction with the police where I thought I was even r- remotely going to be handcuffed. Like, it didn't even cross my mind I could be handcuffed for sleeping somewhere illegally. I think it's not uh, not only maybe a, a race thing, but it's also like a, a gender thing. I think you could even say that there's female privilege, right? Because when the, when they, when there's a van and there's a female in it, they might be more like, oh, well, it's not a big deal. But if it's a guy and he, they might think he might be doing something he shouldn't be doing. So people probably call the cops on, on just because you're a man. Right. No, yeah, definitely. I think women, um, they, they definitely view women as like, yeah, I couldn't, I'm, I'm not here to cause problems. I'm just, right. you know, t- trying to live my life when, yeah, a man would definitely probably experience that a little differently. And uh, so what do you think about the uh, the protests and the van life? Do you, do you Have you ventured close to the, any of the protests in any of these cities to kind of get a good look and see what's going right. on? Kind of like a tourist, like, hey, what's going on here? I see this stuff all over the news. Maybe I should drive down there. And take a, uh, take a gander. No, I have no issue with the protest. It's just that I don't know where, like, I do view it as a, a problem worth protesting, but I, A, don't want my windows smashed in. I can't afford to fix a bunch of damages on my van if they were to get caught up in the protest. I'm not risking the safety of my dogs. There's no chance. They don't deserve it. They can't choose it. They don't know anything about these issues that are going on. Um, so I'm not putting them at risk. And, you know, when... When you're, I own one thing in this whole world, right? Like I literally have one thing. I own one belonging, which is a, it is, my van is the only thing I have. And so, and it it encompasses my laptop, my camera, my other belongings. And so to put that in the middle of danger would be risking literally everything that I own. And so when you go to a protest, you know, by yourself or with friends and you all, can go in together with one car, you park a ways away, walk down. You know what I mean? You're you're far less putting yourself yeah, at risk than if I bring in my entire livelihood into the middle of what could be very dangerous. For me and my dogs... Yeah, you're right. And that's 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 the kind of uh, mentality that you, 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 I guess, you fall into once you start living in your in your van for such a long time because it's not only a car that takes you uh, to, to the store or to any other place. You're taking your entire home and your life, really, even to go right. to the store, even to go to Whole Foods to get groceries, you're taking your entire – and in a way, it's kind of cool because you can go to Whole Foods, you could buy something to eat, and you could cook it right on the parking lot. Have you ever done that? 1,000 times, yes. <laughs> it's also nice because I can put the, my groceries directly from the cart away in my kitchen. I don't have to, like, carry them to my car and then from my car into my kitchen, you know? Like, they just go from – the aisle straight to the shelf. That's awesome. You get fresh food. Like if, if you're solo female and you're and you're planning to do this and you're planning to go and travel the country and do your van build, what are the the top three uh, mistakes that you made that you that you uh, wish you wouldn't have made? Well, the first mistake I ever made was to leave my driveway after building my van. It was about, I hadn't been on the road for literally five minutes. Um, And I was like, I'm hitting the road. I'm on this new adventure. I'm going to go get coffee. And so I had never not driven through the drive-thru because... (laughs) Oh, wow. You blew blew over the top. Oh, yes. I slammed into that clearance bar and I, like, you know, seven minutes into me being on the road, I (laughs) smashed my vent fan, scratched my solar panels, and I was like, oh, this is going to (laughs) be a real adventure. (laughs) Like, I don't know if I was, I'm as equipped as I thought I was. Um, What's the height? What's the height of your van? Um, God, now I don't even, it's seven. I do know this, but now I just forgot. Um. It is six seven inside. Okay. Okay. I would guess around nine feet. Probably a little about- bit more than nine feet because I think at the drive through, 
the the clearance is nine feet. So you probably well, it's probably because of solar panels. I think um, it's usually like eight six. I think oh, okay. I sl- think I I think I slammed into an eight six clearance wow. bar, and I think my van is nine feet. So so did you actually damage solar panels? Did you actually have to go up there and fix a lot of things, or was it just kind of like nicks and scratches? I had to completely replace the vent fan cover. Uh, I mean, I it, it broke off. And um, then the solar panels, it was just the sides of the solar panels because the actual panel itself is like indented a little bit. So the clearance bar thankfully just scratched the metal that is like the, the frame of it. And so, yeah, it didn't cause expensive damage, but it definitely, I just immediately was like humbled, you know? I was like, okay, calm down. You're not... You're not like this, like <laughs> bad bee, like hitting the road. Like I'm gonna just crush it every day. It was uh, you know ten minutes in. I was like, okay, I should definitely focus a little more, turn the music down, and pay attention. How many watts do you have in your van? Uh, four hundred, four hundred watts. I have two ninety-five amp hour batteries and a fifteen hundred uh inverter. How many watts do you have on your solar panels? That's 400. 400 watts. Oh, it's 400 have, watts. Oh, it's 400 okay. watts. Okay. Yeah, I have four 100 watt panels up there. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. And uh, do you ever worry about like a fire, or electrical issue, like some sort of short circuit? Like where you go to the store and you come back and your van's like engulfed in flames? Engulfed in flames. <laughs> it's a horrible uh, no, thought, I know. But I, know, I but... feel like I am now. <laughs> Um, no, not until, not until now. That was not of concern. I mean, there's, there is very. I have lights. I do have a full electrical system, so it definitely is possible. I'm not underestimating that. Um, and I have a little fire extinguisher, but it's not likely. Okay. okay. I, That's I, why, I, that is why I hired an electrician to do a lot of the electrical stuff is because I don't... That, yeah, that's really not a part of the build that I wanted to make mistakes. Yeah, because I've seen videos online where people uh, do the van life. They go into the grocery store or they go to the beach, and when they come back, the fire departments are uh, trying to, you know... Well, yeah, I mean, that would just be less than ideal because I have dogs, so I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it would be, it would end well for them. Uh, so, yeah, I would be very concerned. Would it be fair to say that in the van life, you have to have a strict routine or do you kind of just wing it during the day? I would say probably somewhere in the middle. I don't, I, I definitely don't have a strict routine because every day looks very different for me. Um, but I do have, I think that having mini routines throughout the day is definitely important. I have a morning routine wherever I am. I wake up, take the dogs out. Um, if I'm somewhere like I am right now where I'm camping, I can open the sliding door and they just go out on their own. But I, I make coffee, make breakfast, read, journal, check my phone, you know, have this like hour and a half to two hours where... I do the exact same things pretty much in the same order every single morning. And then I can go into whatever I need to be doing for the rest of the day. That's probably different than what I did yesterday. And then every evening I kind of have a similar routine where I just, you know, go through the process of cooking, feeding my dogs, doing this, doing that in, in a very specific order. Um, just, I mean, it's human to be somewhat habitual. So I like need to have some form of like habit and routine and organization. Otherwise your life will feel like chaos. There's a very big difference between every day is different and I'm on this big adventure versus just like living in chaos and just like not having any sense of normalcy or routine. If I was going to be in the van for a week or, you know, you're taking a short little trip, I think you'd have no routine whatsoever. You're just like going to go have fun for a week. But when it becomes your life for years, I mean. I can't believe I, that. I, it it's, is- it's when I think about it and I see you and I go, for years. For years. <laughs> 
Like, I've seen people who right. do van life and I'll see their YouTube channel and after like six months, they look like they've aged 20 years. 20 years. <laughs> it's, it's so, so stressful true. for them, right? Because it's so stressful for them and they don't know what they're doing and it's crazy and maybe they've had a lot of issues on the road. Yeah. But I can't... I would argue... I would argue that it was YouTube that was making them age and not so much the family. Why, why is that? Why do you think that? Uh, because I've wanted to do YouTube for a very long time and the process of filming and editing is the most tedious, time-consuming, like staring at a laptop. And I mean, I work on websites. Like all I do is stare at my laptop, but I, it is so time consuming to do like vlogging or, you know, van life, YouTube stuff. So whether you like the people or not commend them for their hard work, because I, I've not known hard work, like me trying to do a YouTube video that doesn't even exist. I don't even have one. So, so, so your, your, uh, your podcast is purely audio. Yeah. Purely audio. I am very much I wanted I, I'm I'm so bad at like this week it was inconvenient so I didn't do an episode. I used to be that way. And I'm just now the last three months maybe really getting into a routine of like, no, I have to do it this week, have to do it. Um and so now that I'm so good in that making sure I'm actually being responsible and doing what I should be doing, um, I am going to start filming my podcast probably first and then I'm also going to start doing actual YouTube videos and trying my best to sit down and edit. Hopefully I don't age 20 years <laughs> next six months, but who knows? Your strategy for the exterior of your van, was it to be stealth or was it to just not even consider that? Because I know some people talk about being stealth and when you park in a certain place and, you're, and your van looks like a work van, people usually don't bother you or you don't really care about that. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to spend a lot of time in cities, I guess stealth might be important. But my biggest thing is that I would argue more people are like thieves than they are killers. So if they think that people are sleeping in there and it looks more like someone is in there, they're less likely to break in because they'd rather break into a work van. Like if I was a thief, I'd rather break into a work van where there's going to be equipment I can steal and sell than an RV where there might be dogs, multiple people, like a chaotic scene. Um, you know, less people are breaking into vans to like kidnap and kill people than they are just to like steal some <laughs> stuff. stuff. Cause I've seen yeah. people, I've seen people go all the way to the extent of purchasing like those magnetic business cards that you put on the, on the side of a van and, and, and make like a fictitious right. business and call it like, you know, pets are us or something like that and put their phone number there. Right, But what's there. funny about what that is that, that like, I don't know what that's doing because it's not, it's not going to deter a thief from breaking in unless like they just are scared of dogs. Right. And it's like a pets are us thing. But like, if you're parked somewhere and you can't be parked, just because you have a fake magnet on the side of your van doesn't mean that, like, the police are just going to be like, nope, that's, they're fine, they have a magnet. Like, they're going to be like, no, this work van isn't allowed to be parked here, which would be the same even if you didn't have the fake magnet. So I guess I don't personally see the the reason behind that, but... Yeah, I know, people, yeah. people, go, people go crazy with that stuff. Yeah, do whatever is going to make you feel safer at night so that you can sleep better and if putting a magnet on the outside of your van makes you have a good night's sleep then <laughs> more power to you and what do you think about school buses or schoolies as they call them do you think you'll ever transition to that or is that just too big for you yeah absolutely not i don't i mean if i had a family of like five i think it's a fantastic idea um but no i don't it, it is so big i wouldn't even get a bigger van so there's just no I don't need that much room. I am used to this amount of space. Me and my dogs are happy with this amount of space. And the same thing with a bus. They can't come down the road that I 
uh, explained earlier, they can't, they're just huge. They're difficult to drive. Good luck ever taking it into Chicago or New York or a big city. You can't park it at like a laundromat. What laundromat have you ever seen with a parking lot big enough for a schoolie, you know? (laughs) And that's where I do my laundry. So, or like a small little Mexican restaurant that you want to go eat at. Are you parking your school bus? (laughs) It's true. I mean, well, when you, I, I don't know if you've been to Santa Cruz, but I see school buses all the time there and they, they park on the street and they have to walk a few miles to go to the laundromat obviously because they have to find right. well, and it's too big. Santa Cruz is also very lenient when it comes to parking so it's probably a lot easier for people in RVs and school buses to park and to like have overnight parking there because I've been to Santa Cruz and most streets around the city you can literally just pull up and park I think I pretty much touched on everything but um, where can people find more information about you and the things that you're doing. Yeah, so you can find my Instagram, Divine on the Road, D-I-V-I-N-E. I always have to spell that because people where'd don't you, know. Where'd uh, you come Divine up with that road. name, by the way? Uh, in college, I went to school for fashion business, which is perfect because now I am a minimalist with no clothes. Um, <laughs> so good thing I have a fashion degree. But I was considering having some... To- so when I, This was like I was 18 or 19 years old, but I uh, wanted to have a clothing line and I, I was really into yoga at the time. And so I wanted a yoga clothing line and I wanted to call it Divine in You um, because I was like studying the divine and all this stuff. And I wanted to the acronym to be DIY. Um, so it was like a, it's like a do it yourself type of practice, but it's called Divine in You. I was like, I'm a genius. This is going to be huge. Um, and, and so... So you, were, you, 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 were start- stu- you were studying the divine and you want to do something like kind of like Lululemons? Yes. I want I just, yeah, I wanted some kind of yoga brand thing. And I was like kind of dabbling in Instagram at the time. I was just posting yoga poses and stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I, it was just a random name. You know what I mean? Like, how do you come up with any brand name? It's just kind of somewhat random sometimes. And so it, I was studying the divine. I liked the idea of it being divine in you. So it was DIY, um, like a, do-it-yourself practice um because that's also a thing that you kind of learn in yoga it's very about you and your body and whatever um and so yeah I thought I thought I was a a genius for coming up with this thing at 18 years old and um so then when I got on the road I was like okay well if I ever do want to have a brand called divine in you it should be some sort of like sister brand where it makes sense and I can kind of intertwine them and so divine on the road just made sense for me to keep the word divine but make it more towards what I was doing on the road Right. Awesome. So people can go to your Instagram and where can people find out more about your podcast and the events that you have coming up? Uh, yeah. So my podcast Instagram is my solo road and you can also uh, go to my website, divineontheroad.com, and you can find my podcast every episode down there or search my solo road wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, and then I'm also, this is the first time I've ever talked about this. I haven't announced it at all. Um, but I am coming out with a coffee company in a few weeks. And so okay. that will be launching very soon. I talk about coffee all of the time. I'm drinking coffee 100% of the time. Uh, and so, yeah, I will soon have coffee cold brew and bagged beans on my website can't wait thank you very much today i really appreciate you you, uh, (laughs) and we i'll talk to you later yeah absolutely thank you for having me on here thank you for listening to the evan weiss show head over to itunes to listen to previous shows questions email us at e at evanweiss.com